With the sub of the day at Subway restaurants, you can get a different six-inch sandwich for just $4.39 or foot-long for just $7.89 every day. But it's not just a good deal, it's a good deed. Now through April 28th, for every 10 sub of the day purchases, Subway restaurants will donate one meal to a local food bank network, Feed Ontario. Our goal is 150,000 meals. So make it what you want and make something great happen for someone else. Limited time only at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied. One meal is the monetary equivalent of 33 cents. Fans, your host of the most, George Rakim in the building. I'm here with my cohort in crime, Steve the Animal Mitchell. What's up, wrestling fans? What's up? This is episode 60, man. Another milestone. Right? Like, it's not really a big milestone. It's like one of those medium milestones that you get in between big milestones, but still a milestone nonetheless. 60, year in, well, 14, well, 13 months, give or take. Yeah. Strong. Getting better every time. Great, greater content every <laughs> single time. Trying to better it every single week. Yep, trying to better, trying to give more concepts and more understanding of kind of the the backstage aspect of stuff and the business and like we touched on last week like the house knowing who the top draws are why they're the top draws breaking down numbers and and sales figures and stuff like that and the reason why you see those faces all the time which actually perfectly ties into what we're going to talk about today so this is episode 60 and this is characters that were ahead of their time is in characters that debuted in certain time periods that didn't work but had they debuted in different time periods they might have had better success yep. we've picked four that we're going to touch on uh briefly i picked two you've picked two we're not going to give them away and won't spoil anything we'll let right. them, we'll let them evolve slowly no spoilers the until they happen until they happen happen organic spoilers if you will right so um but before we do that we do want to touch on a couple of things that happened this week we don't really usually do the raw and smackdown stuff that we started off doing we've branched well beyond that but there are some highlights in wrestling this week that we just absolutely had to discuss before we get into this episode. The first thing and foremost thing that we're going to discuss, obviously, that being Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns this past Monday, he had to relinquish his universal title because his uh, leukemia is back and he's got to go fight that fight for as long as he needs. And in case nobody, in, or if you live under the rock in the wrestling world and you haven't heard this, then I guess we're breaking news. If you've heard this, we're just kind of reiterating older news. Yep, so I've had people the last few days, actually, who haven't watched wrestling in eons come up to me specifically to ask me, hey, did you watch wrestling this week? And I was like, let me guess, you're going to talk about Roman Reigns. And sure enough, that was the the, to- the biggest topic of conversation going on this week, and specifically to the, the point where even Madison Square Garden took the time to even put put up at the top of the building of uh, we're, we're, we're our thoughts and prayers and everything with you, Roman, and we're with you fighting the good fight and everything like that. And it's just been so much. It's been so much throwing into uh, into thoughts and prayers for Roman Reigns because he really needs them at this point. He genuinely, genuinely needs them. And also, what I don't really like is the people who are talking about. Um, and I've seen it in the comments as well. And I've talked about it with people of this in real life is that they actually think that this was an angle that was actually made uh, specifically for garnering more sympathy for Roman Reigns. When in actuality, I would never watch this product at all anymore if I found out that they were using cancer to you to as an, as a way of trying to get a dude over no offense but I would never watch that product again so, I don't I don't think a lot of people would that would probably be if that was found out if this was breaking kfab yeah or kfab and this was found out to be a falsified story yeah then it would be the end of wrestling absolutely their, their stock sales would plummet the tv tv statistics would plummet sponsors would make leave. a wish yeah, all of it. <clears throat> Everything would leave. Yep. So there's no point to roll the dice and gamble your whole business that you spent decades building. Yeah. And now you're even growing it further into the universe, if yep. you will, to throw that all away to get your guy over. It, it, it's, I mean, Vince McMahon has done a lot of questionable things in his career and his life. Yeah. But this is definitely not one of those things. Not one of them. So this is a factual story. This is truth. Yep. And in case anybody missed it, we're going to play uh, probably the whole promo because it does get so passionate. There are just moments of, 
of just absolute sincerity in his voice. And you, you can hear it that this is not something he wants to do, but unfortunately it's something he has to do. So in case you missed it, this is uh, kind of the highlight promo from Raw this past week. So check this out, guys. Get out of here. I feel like... I feel like I owe everybody an apology. For months, maybe even a full year, I've come out here and spoke as Roman Reigns and I said a lot of things, you know. I said that I'd be here every single week. I said I'd be a fighting champion. I said I was gonna be consistent and I said I was gonna be a workhorse, but that's all lies. It's a lie because the reality is my real name is Joe. And I've been living with leukemia for 11 years. And unfortunately, it's back. And because the leukemia is back, I cannot fulfill my role. I can't be that fighting champion. And I'm gonna have to relinquish the Universal Championship. <clears throat> and I'm not gonna lie, I'll take every prayer you can send my way, but I'm not looking for sympathy. I'm not looking for you to feel bad for me. Because I have faith. When I was 22 years old, I was diagnosed with this. And very quickly, I was able to put it in remission. But I'm not gonna lie, that was the hardest time of my life. I didn't have a job, I didn't have any money, I didn't have a home, and I had a baby on the way. And football was done with me. But you wanna know who gave me a chance? The team that gave me a chance was the WWE. And when I finally made it to the main roster and I was on the road, they put me in front of all of you, the WWE Universe. And to be honest, y'all have made my dreams come true. And it didn't matter if you, you cheered me. It didn't matter if you booed me. You've always reacted to me, and that is the most important thing. And for that, I have to say thank you so much. But I want to make one thing clear, by no means is this a retirement speech. Because after I'm done whooping leukemia's ass once again, I'm coming back home. And when I do, it's not going to just be about titles and being on top, no, it's about a purpose. I'm coming back because I want to show all of you, the whole world, I want to show my family, my friends, my children, and my wife that when life throws a curveball at me, I am the type of man that will stand in that batter's box. I will crowd the plate, I will choke up, and I will swing for the fences every single time. Because I will beat this, and I will be back, so you will see me very, very soon. Once again, thank you so much. God bless you, and I love you. Believe that. So, you know, at that point, he kind of drops the belt in the ring, and then his uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. brothers come out to kind of greet him. They do the shield kind of pose for one more time. And then from what I understand, he went backstage. There was a WWE.com clip as well. Went backstage, kind of was embraced by everybody. Special words from everybody. Uh, Braun Strowman, Paul Heyman. Those guys really got me when they when they went up to him. Because you could hear Heyman tell him, it's not over. <clears throat> you hear Heyman tell him, whisper in his ear, it ain't over. You're going to get, you're going to fight. You're going to win. And you're going to come back. And that promo resonates to me uh, more. <laughs> I probably think today. Than, uh, than any other day. So um, we wish him all the best. We know he's going to fight. And like, I, like we posted on our social media pages, love him or hate him, 
Uh, to quote you, sir, he left you everything in that ring. Every single time, Absolutely. he left everything in that ring. And you know what? I was never the biggest fan of his wrestling ability or his promo skills, but you never want to hear that from anybody. And I honestly think that now that, because he had that gold around his waist, he was getting better every week, legitimately. Not to say that he hadn't made leaps and bounds from where he was before to where he is now, but he was getting better every week. And the storylines were getting better in the crowd. And I have to say, I have to give respect to the crowd because they started off a little hostile as they always are when Roman Reigns comes out. But near the end, there was uh, a lot of embraces and, you know, there's thank you Roman chants and stuff like that, which really shows a whole lot. And that that's something that um, he could take with him and he can carry that momentum towards the fight that he's going to face because God knows it ain't going to be easy. So uh, from us here at Straight Talk, uh, you know, if you're listening to this Roman or you ever catch this clip, we wish you all the best, and we know you're gonna, you are gonna kick leukemia's ass, and you're gonna come back stronger than ever. Hashtag I, thank you, Roman. Thank you, Roman. That's right, 100%. Thank you, Roman. And uh, another quick thing that we want to touch on briefly is um, the rather awkward heel turn of Dean Ambrose. Yeah, a heel turn that you and I both agreed in our SummerSlam pre-show should have happened exactly then, but for whatever reason, the Becky Lynch heel turn was kind of more put to the forefront, which has worked out leaps and bounds for Becky and Charlotte. Yeah, and I feel like that was the that was that's what that was. That was supposed to be you're not gonna have a big heel turn going on a pre show. The big heel turn that's gonna be coming tonight, that'll take the focal and especially being on a pre show like Dean Ambrose's big heel turn, that would have taken the total focal point away from uh, Becky's turn that night. Do you think do you think uh, hypothetically speaking though, because we always love to throw our what if situations out there, do you think if the Dean Ambrose heel turn was on the main event? Like on the actual pay per view instead of the pre show, they would have done it. Do you think they would have done it? I think they would. Do have you think done they would have done two heel turns in one night though? I think they would have done. Um, I actually, to tell you the truth, I'm not. I'm not sure. Just I think that's why they put it on the pre show was because they had to actually make a decision because everyone was really confused that night. I noticed that it wasn't just us. I noticed there was a lot of social media babble of like, why is this on the pre show? Like this is so weird. But it turns out that it's really just for the fact that. Dean just came back and th that storyline was really hot. And so therefore that would take the, because then especially, um, no offense to the ladies, it, because it, of it actually being a male, that that's what would have actually taken the focal point specifically and the main event specifically away from it. Maybe even they could have fit it in if they had done that, if they'd actually put it in the main event, because then it would have keep, it would have kept the focal point on Becky and there would nobody would know anything until the actual main event actually happened. But at the exact same time, and I forget what, what was a tag match? That was going on that night with Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. Yeah, yeah, it was no, he was oh, in, yeah, yeah, he, he was, was in, in Seth's corner, corner and right. Drew McIntyre was in Dolph's corner. That's right, he was in his corner. So um, that's the thing is, uh, even if they had done that and they'd actually done a reevaluation of maybe put them in the main event again, even though it squashed from the last one from their Iron Man match and the fans and everything, they just made that the main event and actually kind of put, made that happen. Then it would have been really cool to actually see Dean and Dean just do what literally they've been building for weeks. Inevitably, what people knew was going to happen. <laughs> They yeah, gave so, it away. So the, yeah, yeah. You you pretty much you broke you broke huge kayfabe and you you gave it all away early. Yeah, you, it, you it, it was it no away. surprise. It was literally a thing of like, oh, okay, I feel nothing. Thanks, guys. Um, I I I've known this for weeks. You've literally been just show. You've been telling us in every possible way. It's as bad as the Alistair Black thing that's going on right now. Of like, you're just basically telling us that it, it that that it's Cassius Ono. Like you're literally giving. You've been giving it away since day one. That that's what who it is and what's going on here. <laughs> true, it's true. Yeah, I mean sometimes they they play storylines perfectly. Like for me, like the best storyline of who done it was who ran over Stone Cold with the car. Yeah, and then they threw in the curveball of Kishi. I was like, really? And in my head, I'm thinking, wait a minute, that was a Cadillac. How the hell? How did you get in there? How did you get in there? <laughs> how did you fit in there, man? How did you get in there? And how did we not see it? Because right? you literally would have taken up the whole damn windshield. But all right, right? I'll play along. All right, that was that was probably the best who done it in my opinion. That or or the um, it was me, Austin. It yeah. was me the whole time. Yeah. And even though a lot of people hated <laughs> on those, I loved them because it was just so like I actually I wasn't expecting that at, at all. Definitely really wasn't, wasn't expecting Rikishi. Definitely, definitely was not surprised when it was McMahon because at the time McMahon was just everywhere. Right. <laughs> so was not surprised. All right. So now let's get into the meat and potatoes of today's episode. It's characters who are ahead of their time. Steve and I have kind of selected who we think is the best to touch on and kind of maybe play a promo or two from the individual and then talk a little bit about what time period they would have worked better in. Mm -hmm. So would you like to go first? 
No, actually, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let the floor I'm gonna let you have the floor. I appreciate sir. that. You 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 take the floor and you take the reins on this one. Okay, so this character is a character that actually my brother-in-law, uh, Stan, mentioned to me, and this was a character that um, I was intrigued. I went back and I watched the promos and I was like, you know what? This was Bray Wyatt before Bray Wyatt was Bray Wyatt. It really was. It's a very dark and ominous character. And this character uh, premiered early 95. Um, and he kind of... The promos, the vignettes were very cool, but very dark for the time period. Because this was right in the midst of transitioning into the Monday Night Wars, which nobody knew was going to happen at that particular time. But this was the kind of transition. And this was trying to bring in these kind of new characters that were away from the superhero guys. So this was kind of Vince McMahon's, I guess, turn. And this is, well, his real name is Dan Spivey. Um, been around wrestling from 83 to 95. And this character kind of happened or, or, or fluctuated into the time period kind of right before his retirement from wrestling. And had I think, if this particular character had been in a different time period, and I'll touch on that after we play the promos. But this character, in case you don't know, is Waylon Mercy. So Waylon Mercy's character was a guy who dressed all in white, he wore a blue Hawaiian shirt with a red collar, and he had an upside-down cross on his forehead. And William Mercy was from the Deep South, and you'll hear it in his promos, and he was really very, very dark, especially for the time period. So had he been introduced in a particular time period that I'll touch on after, you would see, and I think you'll see it from my eyes, that this character might have worked, not only flourished, but could have been... A possible number one contender for a title, specifically against one individual. It sounds like the influence for the for the Bray Wyatt character, like where they actually found the influence for just the Bray the Bray Wyatt character. Not necessarily of, I guess you Charles Manson, and you have all those kinds of you you have those those kinds of uh, those minds that uh, are involved in the making of that character. But it sounds like this is actually aside from Charles that this is. Probably the top of the heap for where they actually were, were, where Triple H was really kind of constructing this character with uh, with Bray Wyatt. Right, and this and this, so this is one promo that he cut. This is one of the very early on promos. The audio is not great. It took me. It's not the greatest of audio, but um, check it out. And this is Well and Mercy. This is first promo, and this is called Picnic. Check it out, guys. Hello, all you people. It's old Well and Mercy again. As you can tell, I'm out here at the park, around the picnic area, waiting for all the people to come in. Shortly after a while, they'll be out here with their children, with their fried chicken and potato salads, and some hot dogs. Surely some hamburgers to go along with all that stuff. And the kids, they'll be running around here, having a good old time. And then after a while, the kids will get on the parents' nerves, and the parents will start yelling and screaming, and then load up everything, put the children in the back daggum seats. And then they'll go home, and then they'll tell all their families and friends what a great time they had at the park and what a great picnic it was. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. Waylon Mercy knows how to throw a good picnic. And when I get into the ring in the WWF, <laughs> I'm gonna show you people what a picnic is all about. You know what I mean? So that, that was, <laughs> that was Will and Mercy. Oh man. I just wanna play one more. This is another one of the, the favorite ones that I found. He had a couple, he had four, Kind of infamous ones. There was Picnic, there was Lifeguard, there was Waves, and this one is called Worms. About 46 seconds on this one, so check this one out. And then I'm going to list to you what time period I think he would have fit in better. So hang on. It's Waylon Mercy again. Out here enjoying this peaceful surroundings. Enjoying nature. Enjoying these insects. Enjoying this worm. But you know something, I enjoy worms, but I don't enjoy worms crawling on me. Just like when I get in that wrestling ring, I don't like wrestlers touching me. 
I definitely don't want them crawling on me. And if they do so, I'll tell you what's going to happen. They're going to get smushed just like this worm. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that's that's Will of Mercy. And so this is the time period I think he would have fit in better. I think he would have fit in better, I want to say... 99 to 2000, 2001, somewhere in there. Ministry of Darkness storyline. And I think he would have been a great catalyst as the leader of the Ministry of Darkness. Kind of Undertaker's ominous preacher, if you will. And I think that when Undertaker had his run as champion during that time, a turn from Will of Mercy on the Undertaker, how dare one of my servants be wearing the gold instead of me, Mm -hmm. and they could have done some amazing things. <clears throat> they could have had, go with me on this, they could have had a funeral parlor match. And I thought of this. This is what I thought. So you take a casket match, take a buried alive match, do it all. Start off in the church or the funeral parlor, maybe have Will and Mercy making his, you know, preaching. And then you have Undertaker come in, they're fighting. You go down to the furnace room where they cremate the bodies. You fight there. Somebody almost gets thrown in the furnace, but it doesn't happen. Then somehow Undertaker gets locked in the casket. Mercy drags him out to the, uh, the hearse, throws him in the hearse, drives all the way to the graveyard. They fight to the bitter end in the graveyard. And then one of them flops in the grave. It Interesting. It would have been a great concept, but I think because the character was so dark at a time period where Edgy wasn't in yet, I just think that's why he fell flat. He premiered in early, very, very early January. January 7th, I believe it was, 95. Mm -hmm. And he he premiered against Mixed Reaction. Wrestling style was decent. He was a pounder, grounder, kind of like a John Bradshaw Lakefield type of guy. He had a big boot, clothesline, power slam. Those were his bread and butter. Okay, so that's pretty much what I'm envisioning. Because just to paint the picture here for, for audience, that like I actually don't know anything about this character. So this, this is actually really, really interesting because it's pretty rare that I come across an old school character that I know nothing about, that I don't know anything about. And so this is actually really interesting. And to go back and uh, see this see this guy's vignettes. But yeah, that's a pretty interesting idea. Yeah, go home and watch the other two tonight. Lifeguard's pretty funny too, but yeah. I just didn't have enough. But this is what I'm talking about. This is a character, and it's not surprising that you don't know about it, because I didn't know about him until my brother-in-law mentioned it to me. But this is a character that, as quick as he premiered, he disappeared. Mm -hmm. And I kind of got the idea of it after, because uh, uh, I'm, I'm kind of a man of whenever I'm watching something of somebody old school, and especially when I find out a story about somebody old school that didn't quite make the cut, and just kind of my, my ideal situation of, I just want to find out why. I really want to know the truth of just like, okay, what actually really happened with this guy, and what happened? Was it his attitude, or was it his wrestling, for, was it his wrestling moveset, was it his promo skill, was it, you know, what was it that actually made him uh, get the axe? Um, and after watching the first promo, um, because it went so into the pedophile realm, I just, the only thing I could think to myself was, oh, okay, now I understand why this didn't work. I'm pretty sure that you literally showed that. And because you're mentioning about kids in the park over and over and over and over and over again. And it was literally, I was clocking it in at like, oh my God, it's like three minutes later and he's still going talking about kids in the park. I can only imagine how many parents actually literally did call that in and was like, Okay, why do you have a pedophile as a as a character now? Um, as you can't. You uh, we're not allowing this. And then that's probably I would imagine why they probably just can that immediately. You know what? I didn't I didn't really catch that, but I didn't really catch that vibe. But now that you mention it, yeah, it could have been taken a little out of context, considering that everyone in the '90s was playing it super safe and super sensitive. Much as things are now. Oh, I just... Where everybody's, that's, like, super sensitive. And not to say that that was, like, what I would do and call in immediately and be like, stop your pedophile character, but the only thing that I can just see is just a <laughs> bunch of parentals just literally watching that going, Mom, look, I'm watching Saturday Morning Wrestling. And, like, that's the thing that they watch and that happens to be the one thing they watch and, unfortunately, that's where that character, like, Muhammad Hassan, all over again, if you will. So what would you what would you say? I mean, let's you know let's do a little play on what would you say if that character would have premiered? What timeline or period would you put him in? Well, if you cut that promo, I would put him in. Um, I would I would definitely I would put him in. Uh, I, I would I would put him in. I you know what? It's it's almost safe to say that if you had literally cut that promo, that that character actually could have worked. 
within that era because they were just introducing Goldust and they were just introducing these characters that were really kind of pushing boundaries and pushing barriers and, and doing things a little bit differently than just keeping it cartoon. They were really pushing uh, that kind of stuff and especially with, um, we're right around the corner, I think Mankind literally just debuted at that point and they were really just starting to push these kinds of characters. So I think he would have actually, minus that promo, I think he would have worked really well in that era as well as the era that you just mentioned of uh, attitude, early Attitude Era of, you know, that Ministry of Darkness thing or or something along those lines because he really has that kind of, uh, not necessarily, I wanted to say, I was thinking in my head beforehand that it might have been a little bit more Charles Manson-y, but it's really that kind of uh, uh, just really sadistic character and, and it would have fit real well within Ministry because that's all they were looking for. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it would have, I think Ministry, I mean, well, I mean, Ministry is, is what I pointed out too, but I think you're right. I think maybe, maybe you cut that promo, maybe you start off with the Worms promo or that kind of stuff. So you're, you're saying that the, the one promo, the picnic promo, was the nail in the coffin. I, I really believe, and that's just, but that's, once again, that's just off the top of my head, but that was really off of just hearing that once, and um, uh, that's where I'm making all of my basis of judgment off of, uh, just to, just as, 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 a, as a quick a little precursor into it. But uh, um, uh, that, uh, yeah, I think minus just that one promo, I think that's the kind of was the deal breaker. I feel like anyway, at least that's my gut feeling that that, that, was, was, the that was the deal breaker. Fair enough, fair enough. But I just thought, I thought, you know what, this is a character that I think that, Again, had he been in a different time period, might have worked out a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And so, he has good skills. Like I was, while I was listening to him going, I'm like, you have really good skills. Like you got really good promo skills. You got really uh, good direction. And I think also it was kind of a misdirection of the character in general of just, um, you know, what do I do with it? It, it? it almost kind of felt like when I was watching him do the vignettes, it almost kind of felt like a deer in headlights kind of thing. Of you were, you had this idea of what you wanted for a character. You were presented with this in the beginning and now you got to figure out a way to make it work and yeah so you got to figure out a way to bring it to life yeah and you're just getting these little mini instructions from vince and it's just kind of and you're getting these mini instructions from bruce pritchard and it's like okay you got to make this you know character work that i have no idea what the hell i'm gonna do with this kind of thing right spin the dice throw yeah. it up against the ceiling see what sticks see if it works all right what do you got let's go uh, that was my first one what do you got who, who we rocking with for your first one uh my first one i want to go with raven and actually i was going to make even a comparison actually to to uh to the the general Sorry, what was the gentleman's name? Waylon Mercy. Waylon Mercy. Yes, yeah, so we just watched. Uh, we just watched Mr. Waylon Mercy. Um, very much like really deep, dark vignettes, but uh, to the, really deep, dark promos, but to the point where Raven just always seemed to take it to the next level. Um, and the reason why I just kind of put it in context of with him and Raven was like, actually, you know what? He would be a really cool, ideal situation to put up against the Flock, even of like a guy that really sadistic dude that could go in there and take out the Flock, because that's what Raven was really all about. He was a guy that created um, a group. In WCW uh, called uh, The Flock, and this is from March 1998 from uh, Monday Nitro, of him cutting a promo on uh, DDP when they were in a feud, and it's really to the point of where Raven, he would just get in that ring, and it was the same as, uh, he had the same thing about him, which I'm just going to reveal my number two right now, because they're both pretty much one and the same, is uh, Mr. Jake the Snake Roberts, where they both have the same kind of really amazing entrance. I love the way that they would just, uh, the, the ominousness of the way that they would come to the ring, um, but particularly, they had two different ways of coming to the ring, but it was the way that they would enter the ring and how they would slide underneath and then go just rest themselves up against the bottom turnbuckle, grab that microphone and just let it go. And it was just so cool to listen to. I would, I, I never cared about Raven's matches ever because they were usually about two seconds long. He had, most of it was him talking to his opponent of the way he was going to defeat him and how he was going to just dismantle this guy and how just watching the guy's look on his face. What, watching him, what he's about to do, until he would literally just walk up to him, throw the mic in his face, or whatever, and just hit him with his DDT, which is the exact same finisher, that, which is the exact same Jake Roberts finisher. So I feel like a lot of, uh, um, I guess I could have technically played Jake Roberts first, but um, I feel like this is because of the fact that I believe that this, um, this character that Raven really came up with, and especially with him just talk how he would always finish his promos with quote the raven nevermore and would actually wear nevermore the band and would wear nevermore shirts every single week just to, even though it was a band it was still like just throwing the name nevermore in people's faces of just making them remember of just quote the raven nevermore and like just really going out of his way to, to like drive home the sadisticness and really bring out the charles manson in a character that a lot of people had never really in mainstream wrestling television had never had a chance to really experience before so uh yeah we'll play the play the clip all right let's check this one out guys that's where i got my start and people want to come out to uh, the, 
Marcus Square Arena out to Karma out in Greenwood to talk about the old days, talk about the new days. Apparently, just talk. There's been some complaints over the past eight months that what I've been saying has not been easy to understand because of my excessively large vocabulary and my high level of diction. Well, tonight, I will put what I have to say in terms so clear that everyone, even those of limited intelligence, will know exactly what I mean. Paige, I want you to listen especially close, Paige. Because Paige, you should understand my problems. Because you know about them better than anyone. How I was voted most unpopular in high school. Yeah, okay. How my father never spent time with me. Paige, you were the one that picked me up at the hospital the first time I got out of rehab. You should understand my pain, but you don't. Four years ago, when WCW let you go, they said you would never be anybody. You'd never be a superstar. Who lends you a shoulder to cry on? I did. Raven did. Whenever you had problems of any nature, who listened to you on the telephone nightly? I did. Raven did. But what about me, Paige? What about Raven? What about me? I spent three long years in barbed wire city getting torn to shreds, going through tables, and being hit with frying pans and chairs. But you could have prevented it. You could have stopped it. You could have made one phone call and called in a favor, made a deal, and got Raven into WCW. But you didn't, because you were jealous. You were jealous and you were scared that I would become a bigger star than you. You know, I should have listened to the snake. He said you weren't a true friend. He said you'd turn your back on me when you became a star. He was right. I should have listened. But times are different now. And where once I felt your pain, now you'll feel mine. Quote the Raven, United States Champion, forevermore. Oh. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, he definitely, uh, you know, he throws out some big words. His pacing is good. There's nothing wrong with the way Raven cut a promo. So where, where would you put him if he was so far ahead of his time that the crowd couldn't appreciate him back in 98? Where would you put him? Um, I would have put him in the, in, uh, the same attitude or, well, not attitude or it was a ruthless aggression when he came around and he was uh, doing WWE stuff. But, um, I feel like that they, they could have just utilized him better, um, Made him a, a, a bigger star than he was, but it was really, I feel like uh, there was a lot of attitude. There was, I've, I've also heard uh, mixed stuff in the back, or misconstrued stories from one end and the other of just them not getting along in any way, shape, or form. And, especially, and, there, was, and there was a stint, apparently from uh, the Johnny Polo days, there was uh, a, a, a very bad leaving and where, when he left to, to go to WCW. Uh, that was not a good exit. And then when he came back, and it was a thing where he found out, where Vince found out that he came back, it was apparently a thing of Johnny Polo. Who let Johnny Polo back in here? Mm. And so that it was already kind of his little uh, quote unquote his death sentence before he even got back there. But uh, from uh, what I saw of the misutilization and just like here you go, kid. Here's your twenty four seven hardcore title, and we're just gonna let you run with that forever until you just either quit or we fire you, one or the other. And uh, at, at that point, I was just like, wow, if you, if you really took him away from the CCW stuff, you took him away from, um, he's so well known as the hardcore guy, and um, especially with, in, in, with the flock and everything and the way he, he conducted himself in, in uh, WCW, it was very much so of the, of the sense of if you really started to take this character to the next level, his promo skills, what's, what's the biggest thing going in wrestling and what's the biggest advantage that you have over everybody if you're really effing good at it is if you're is if you're amazing at promos and that's the thing was 
um, I never really understood uh, with the, the flock and how well that ran, even though it was a difference in, in work ethic and it was a difference in, of opinion, this, that, and the rest of it, you could have made a lot of money with Raven. And, and it was really, it didn't matter where he went. It was, he was always a big draw. And uh, particularly when he went to TNA and got this huge monster pop when he showed up in uh, TNA. So that just really showed me after he made his debut and how big, of, it was, it's the biggest, T, it's one of the biggest, besides Kurt Angle, it's one of the biggest TNA pops that they had going for them when they found out that they acquired Raven and, and saw him on TV. So as far as I was concerned, it was just kind of a no-brainer of just like, holy crap, if you just kind of let business take over more than the emotion, I think you could have made a lot of money with Ray. And he was, actually. I feel like he was in the in the right position to be able to do so, just very much underutilized at the time. I would, uh, I, you know what, I would put him, I would have put him in now, like right now where we're at right now in wrestling. Right on. I, I would have had, I would have had the flock, I mean, mind you, you would have had to be way younger, but I would have had the flock um, go toe-to-toe with the shield. Or the Wyatt family. Mm-hmm. That's what I kind of where I would have positioned him, and that would have been really cool. And the in the all of the nostalgia that's really going on right now, I think that would be that would have been really cool to actually see that if they had done that, if they would actually taken the flock and actually like made them because it was such a good concept, a great name, great everything, and they all sat in there. They were goons that just sat in the sat, just sat in the audience and then came in the ring and beat the guys up that were having matches they didn't like and. You know, all this stuff. It was just like, they were super cool. They could have ran with that and made that super awesome. Yeah, they could have. I just think, uh, I just think, unfortunately, that in those time periods where a lot of these cool ideas were shaping, the stronghold ideas still had the forefront. Exactly. Right? And then, I mean, in WCW, at least anyways, unless it was NWO or NW Red and Black or NW Yellow, I don't even know how many colors they freaking had. But, right. But the fact is, is that everything kind of became just revolving around the NWO. When the NWO was in the spotlight, it's like, okay, what can we fit in here? What can we fit in there? Exactly. And that's kind of like where the cruiserweight division came in and stuff like that. You know, like the workhorse guys. And I'm not saying that Raven was a workhorse guy, but I'm saying that just unfortunately because of the ideas that were shaping in that time period, a lot of ideas, no matter how great they might have been, were never going to get pushed fully. Exactly. And the so. only big idea that ever really came out of that was the fact that we got to see really cool-ass Billy Kidman matches after he joined the flock. <laughs> yeah, actually, you're right. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of good matches at that point He in time. just took the hell off after he joined the flock. But anyway, um, you know what? If, if you want, since the fact that we I just literally went through everything about Jake Roberts, maybe if you want to play that other promo, and then we'll play your last guy. Um, the The... Uh, the promo that I want to play about Jake is uh, from when most people... I wanted to play something different because everybody plays the old school Jake Roberts from like WrestleMania 8 and like these really cool promos from when he was being all being like really uh, low voice in the heat of the, in the in the wake of... Let me tell you, a million let me tell you something brothers. And like nobody talking low and really to low to the ground like the way Jake Roberts did the way he cut promos. Um, you only got to see him ever and hear him in that heel fashion. But what people forget is that he came back in 96 for a tiny little stint after he had, uh, professed his sobriety. And now he is, uh, an advocate for sobriety for the, for the world and And being a good human. And for, he's only, mind you, the, the punchline of all of this is he's literally probably about a month away from going back to drugs again and going back to booze. But uh, point being is that even as a hero, and it's the only real time that you ever really, other than, you know, resurrection of Jake Roberts and this and that, it's the time that you actually get to hear Jake Roberts talking as that Hulk Hogan hero, but still low to the ground and just, you know, say your vitamins, take your vitamins, say your prayers, this, that, and the rest of it. And uh, yeah, it's really, it was really cool and really enlightening to go back and listen to this. All right, let's check this one out, guys. During the international incident in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. I want to talk about mankind momentarily, but first I'd like to start off by asking you this question. How do you react or how does it make you feel when people like Jerry the King Lawler criticize you for letting us all know about your past, for admitting your problems and being so willing nowadays to help others who also may have problems? I'll tell you something, nobody like Jerry Lawler can stop me from reaching out and helping one of these children keep away from drugs and alcohol. Nobody like Jerry Lawler 
can sit there with his rampant mouth flapping the wind and tell me that Jesus ain't the best thing happening. Because if it wasn't for Christ, I would not be here today. You know, they used to laugh at him before they put him on the cross. But I'll tell you something about Jerry Lawler. There is only one king, and he's high above. And we all know that. How do you prepare for a man as deranged as mankind? You know, to me, mankind personifies what all those demons used to do to me. They haunted me. They kept me bound in chains. But you know something? He's going to meet me face to face. The light against the darkness. And I can relieve you of that pain, mankind. Because I'll tell you something. The demons that kept me down for so long have no power against me now. Why? Because I know a better light. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I got mankind. Mankind coming out here. If you want it, you come right ahead. Yeah, so Minister Jake the Snake Roberts, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Well, I gotta say, when everybody cheered about Jesus, he definitely had to be cutting that in, like, the South. Right? It had to be cutting that promo in, like, Georgia or, or uh, North Carolina or something. You had to right? be cutting it in the South. Real interesting of how the fact that I actually even forgot about that promo and its existence of the fact of how, like, Jesus-heavy Jake was every single time that he would go out there. And well, that's what, spun, that's what spun Austin 316, right? Exactly. And the fact that Talk we all remember that. Yeah, yeah. But we forget about the fact that it's, like, the deliverance of that is the fact that, like, no, Jake was literally going around pumping Jesus every single week. Like, that's what was going on here, ladies and gentlemen. And that would be crazy to listen to that and, you know, go down in the slew of, uh, you know, religion and racism and all the stuff that goes on today that people did completely disagree with. So I can only imagine what that would be like if you started throwing all that stuff in people's faces today. Well, the world's an interesting time now, right? I mean, Jesus. Well, segue. Right. We just had, uh, we just had what, nine bombs get delivered to nine different locations all over the United States. Yeah. From a supporter of Trump to all the naysayers of Trump. Right. So the world's definitely an interesting time. Like, it's been a while since a Unabomber-type person has been around since the 70s. Right. So here we are 40 years later, and now we've reverted back to those same type of homegrown terrorists. And that, that's because of the leaders that we have in place. Mm-hmm. Not just in the States. There are bad leaders everywhere. we got a bad leader right here where we are in Canada. Right. So bad leadership breeds bad minds. But here's an interesting point. If you, if you had to put Bible-thumping Jake the Snake in a time period, so you're basically saying that this second coming organic of, of Jake the Snake, this Bible-thumper, where would you put him? Where would um, he work? You know what? It's not even the Bible thumper per se. It's really, um, I just, I really wanted to play that just so that people got the idea that um, Jake doesn't always have to be a super bad guy for him to actually get his words across, that he actually really knows what he's talking about, knows how to get behind that microphone, and um, was, I guess, back then, the promo that I would have, that, that should have technically gotten played because of the fact of back then, that's really what the character was. He was ahead of his time. He was completely ahead of his time in the slew of all of the let me tell you something, brothers. There was too much of it. And oh, so you're taking the Jake the Snake character so as a I whole. So I think what I would like to do is actually take the whole Jake the Snake, just take the Jake Roberts character as a whole. Of Very proven, obviously. You could play a good guy, you could play a bad guy. It really doesn't matter. Um, but obviously, way better as a bad guy. Um, so if you took that bad guy character, and I think what would work best is if you took the bad guy character, and you could really honestly, because of his deliverance, because of uh, his ability to be able to, uh, and this isn't a cop-out by any means, but um, his ability to be able to uh, deliver against absolutely anybody, against the best talkers in the whole world that he'd be able to step up against, um, you could really put him in, uh, well, you know what, I would take him and I'd put him in now. Because of the fact that uh, listening to him go try and go toe-to-toe with The Rock, or listening to him try to go toe-to-toe, with uh, with um, with Steve Austin and just how uh, well calculated they are of talking trash, and he's just really the calculated, cold, sadistic dude. I think he would work the best in the new era that we got going on now. PG era. Yep, PG era. <clears throat> Interesting. Interesting. No, I, I I don't really see another place for him. I mean, I like the era that he was in, but I don't think there's another time period other than the era he was particularly in or now where he would work. He wouldn't have worked in the ruthless aggression era, and he definitely wouldn't have worked in the attitude era. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. But a Bible thumper in the Attitude Era, because of all the sex, drugs, and rock and roll that was going on at that time, would have been an interesting take. 
Oh yeah, if you took Jake Roberts and you put him in like the right to censor or something like that, and was as just, the leader of the right as to like censor. the leader of the right to censor or something like that, like that would be super cool. Or or if you you know took him as uh, you know the the main head honcho of of uh, of, of any one of really any of the factions, or put him with him brother him. D'Lo when the D'Lo when the and when the um the Dudley boys split right. You had mm-hmm. brother, you had brother D'Lo, you had preacher D'Lo, whatever you want to call him. Yeah, you put him, put them together as a tag team, call them the preachers or something like that. Would have worked, right? Would have worked. Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of open ended stuff for that. So yeah, that was uh, that's actually an interesting pick. I wasn't I wasn't sure where you were going with Jake the Snake, but now I see the grand scheme of things. Well done, sir. Well done. Awesome. Thank you, sir. My last character is um, a character that kind of came in the midst of the ruthless aggression era. This is right after you know WCW was acquired by WWE. He came in under his original persona, didn't do so well. Then he kind of developed this goofy character that was endearing, and a lot of people loved him. And he actually was pretty good on the mic, and he had some success with his character. But I feel this character was ahead of its time from Ruthless Aggression, it really should have been a PG character. Because the character was so PG and so goofy that it was tailor-made to the kids. Mm-hmm. Because it's a, a miniature superhero. He's mm-hmm. not a larger-than-life superhero. He's all of five foot five. Yep. He's a cruiserweight superhero. And I think he would have definitely worked well and flourished now with the likes of the small guy like a Daniel Bryan or the likes of a, uh, The Miz. Yeah. Uh, mix it up with Seth Rollins, those guys. I think he would have worked out well because he, his skill in the ring was good. So the character I'm talking about, Hurricane Helms. What's up with that? All right. The Hurricane. So this is one promo that I actually was one of my favorite promos that he cut. And he actually cut it on my boy, Triple H. But this was actually one that I liked. And so, all the promos he did with The Rock. Yeah, I, I've actually I've actually pulled out a couple with The Rock. Yes, but yeah. The, this one is one of my cool. this one is one of my personal favorites. So listen to this one, guys. This is from oof, this is going back Raw, 2005, March 11th. So check this one out. Saw you in action. You were wearing a mask. No, not a hurricane mask. A bloody crimson mask. As you got demolished by Batista. So that was cut a little short, but that was a that was a pretty good back and forth with probably one of the best promo talkers at the time period. Like Triple H could cut it better than nobody in that time period. Still cuts a pretty solid one now. So I mean, there's that, and then there's also these little tidbits. I'm only gonna play first two minutes of this one, but this is the Rock and Hurricane meeting early 2003. Holy letdown. The Rock. You used to be an idol, an icon, loved by millions and millions. Yet tonight you come out and you trash the people. What's up with that? Scorpion King. But that, 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 he did not. That was a special effect for the movie, for 
the scorpion king is the most powerful. One question, Rock. Just one more. Can the Rock fly? We've been smoking them funny cigarettes. The Rock can fly and whip that candy ass. The Rock good. Because tonight the hurricane is going to send your candy ass flying over the top rope in that battle royal. <laughs> so there's more to go on from there. We can go back and forth. But the Hurricane was a hilarious character. The fans, he was definitely endearing to the fans. But I honestly feel that a superhero type character, especially in the PG era, where we had so many superheroes. If you almost look at it, you look at the 80s. Yeah. You had your larger than life superheroes. You had your Hogans, your Warriors, your Shawn Michaels, if you will. You had those guys. You had big guys with muscles that yelled a lot. Yeah, and then you look at now... And, or you look at Ruthless Aggression Era into the PG Era, you had your John Cena, was your Hogan of the PG Era, if you will. And you could put easily Hurricane as anybody that painted their face in the time period, if they were to. So I think Hurricane Helms, the Hurricane, would have been successful more so in the PG Era than the Ruthless Aggression Era. In the Ruthless Aggression Era, much like Santina Morella, he was a comedy character. Mm -hmm. He was not taken seriously, even though he had tremendous wrestling ability. Yeah, and he did. You watch any her any Greg any Greg Helms Hurricane match from when he was in WCW, the guy could wrestle, mm -hmm. and even the matches he had in WWE were impressive. But the fact that they gave him such a goofy character to work with, and he turned it into something, he made some money off of it while he was doing it for sure. But the fact of the matter remains, I think if the superhero character was in this time period we're in right now, this baby faced PG era where everybody plays it safe, I think the character would have went over way better now, especially with the audience, so much of the audience being kids and the company being so kid-driven that this character would definitely be a champion. Agree. In this time period now. That's Agreed. That's what I have to say about the Hurricane. I just think the character was so endearing. I just think... Wrong time. You can't put a character like that in, the, in an era called the Ruthless Aggression Era. Yeah. You can't. You can put a character like that, though, in the PG era. 100%. Yeah, totally. So, I think that's it, right? That's all we had. And, uh, yeah, then um, I'm actually really excited to give my two cents on Hurricane Helms. He's a really strange character to me. He's a really strange individual to me. Um, uh, it's the fact that, and I'm going to put this in the nicest way possible, so I actually don't even, like, if Hurricane hears this, that I don't make him cry. Um, and that's not possible because I've seen him just rip people to shreds on Twitter. And uh, hey, Greg he Helms, got, he got me. Greg Helms, there's. It, I take every word of that back. By the way, if you ever hear this, I know there's nothing I could do to dismantle any part of you. Um, I feel like the only reason the hurricane went over um, was very simply because there was no one else to go over. There was no one else. There was literally. If you look at if you look at the the ruthless aggression era and you look at the problem that was actually with the ruthless, ruthless aggression era, there was literally just John Cena and Randy Orton, and then The Rock came back as you saw in that clip. The Rock came back at that point because they were literally so hard up for guys that they literally had to not hard up for guys. It was just the only people that they had working with them were top guys, and that was it. You literally didn't see a single dude going over in any way, shape, or form unless you were literally Triple H or anyone evolution-based or anyone uh, John, uh, anyone beyond the name John Cena and then, you know, bring back The Rock. So there was literally nobody to do anything back then um, other than, you know, introducing those new characters. And I feel like that's where Hurricane really kind of capitalized. And I feel like he saw that. And I feel like he just kind of made that the opportunity of like, you know what? There's all these like big guys and they're all superheroes and they crush super hard and they make it seem like they're these big shit, br they're brick shit houses. They can just go in there and just destroy anyone at, at a moment's notice of those, those comic book characters of the way they developed them back in the day. And since those were the only ones left, you know what? Maybe I'll make myself a little superhero. I got all these big superheroes, I'm going to be a superhero, but I'm going to be this little guy that, that goes in and makes it sound like I can go kick anyone's ass, but I really can't. And 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 the, and the best, and then so that's what made his character really cool and really funny and really gravitate really gravitating towards a lot of people was the fact that we know you can't beat any of these guys, but we love that you're trying and we love that you can say really awesome stuff to them like you can, even though the character and if if you even ask him, it would be like that's the punchline is the fact that I tell them that I can kick all their asses, but I really can't. So do you think though that being in the PG era that we're in now, would he work? 
Absolutely. I think it would, would totally would work. Would he work going up against a guy like Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship? No, but I think it would be a really funny thing for him to go up against him to actually like look up at Roman Reigns, like the, this dude that could very clearly like look at him. He will, he'll just he'll look what he just did with Braun Strowman. He'll crush you right what now. What about AJ thing. Styles? And even even a guy like AJ Styles, like it's basically like a superhero version of like the superhero version of uh, James Ellsworth, a better in shape, a more in shape, put together character like. Uh, like James Ellsworth at that point. That was the first James Ellsworth I feel like that we really got to see, but it was in a more very organized fashion in the sense that it was it was very calculated in the way that you put your character together in the in the calculatedness that James Ellsworth eventually found for himself with his woman beating intergender championship and all this that and the rest of it that he eventually found for himself of his, his brilliance to always keep him working forever. And that's the thing what that's what I love about Hurricane Helms is he found a gimmick that will still to this day it keeps him working forever. He can always rely upon that. He knows he can go to Comic Con a hundred percent people will always remember who he is and we'll we'll always remember that awesome character of just yeah, being the little dude that absolutely can't beat any of the big guys up, but he definitely you sound really convicted in what you're trying to tell him. <laughs> Alright guys, so that's that's it. That's it for this one. That's episode sixty in the can. That's characters who were ahead of their time. Next week, episode sixty one is gonna be awesome. Because next week is going to be my man here, Steve the Animal Mitchell, is going to go on location with, uh, what's his name? With Ace Piva. Ace Piva. This is a gentleman who's got some history in wrestling, can tell some great stories, but also has dealt with and helped wrestlers, a lot of them, some of them, most of them, with mental health. With mental health issues, The grind on the road, and this is something that we did want to talk about. I will not be in this episode. Um, This will be an interview all done with Steve on location with Ace. I've got some my own personal matters to take care of. We're not really going to get into that right now because it's not about me. It's about the show. It's about the podcast. And we're going to get all with that. So Steve's going to man the helm on that one. I can't wait to hear the interview. Looking so forward to it. I know you're going to kick ass on it. And I will be there with you in spirit. You will be. 110%. So give Ace all my best. I know it's going to be a great episode. And it's going to be something that you know a lot of podcasts don't touch on. Because we all touch on the characters. We all touch on the interviews. The great stuff like that. But Steve and I, when we started this journey a year and a half ago... We made a promise to ourselves that we would push the envelope. We mm. would talk about the subjects that we wanted to talk about. And who's ever listening, we love the fact that you're listening. We love the fact that our fan base keeps growing. But most importantly, we want to tell the stories that matter to us. And this is definitely a subject because there is a grind. There's a serious mental health issue. And maybe if they had been that kind of setup earlier in life, a guy like Chris Benoit might have been saved. And a lot of them, for that matter, of the a lot of them that go through mental health issues, they go through not having being with their families in any way, shape, or form, trying to be a family when they go home, to only go right back out on the road again and just deal with a whole bunch of drug and alcohol issues. Um, if not them, then a whole bunch of people around them, which is also taking its toll on them mental health-wise, watching them go through their friends while they're dealing with this, if it's not them themselves. So um, it, it's, it's going to be a really unbelievable topic. Ace Piva... Um, he has an, an, an unbelievable plethora of knowledge when it comes to uh, mental health and dealing with mental health issues, uh, specifically with, uh, sp- with specific wrestlers, um, dealing with, just to give you a little insight, of a uh, previous tour manager, actually, he dealt with uh, musicians as well as tour manager for Fozzie in their early days. So um, there's tons of, just to give you a little bit of insight of what stories that we will be bringing out and what kind of uh, in-depth analysis that we'll be really going into of the wrestler of what I would really like to uh, coin as the the name of the episode is Wrestling with Mental Health. Perfect. Perfect title. So that's going to be episode 61, Wrestling with Mental Health. That'll be on location. That'll drop next Friday. Yep. We're going to get that all set up, edited nice and pretty. Steve's going to go on location. going to meet up with Ace in Hamilton. Going to be more stoked for that one. And don't fret, guys. I'm not going anywhere. I'm still the host with the most. I just got some stuff I got to take care of. But like I said, we'll announce that when the time is right. It's not about me. It's about the podcast. So for 60, this one's in the can. 61 drops next week. And don't forget, you can get all our episodes up to episode 20 on all our social media platforms, which you will hear at the end of the show. And don't forget, January 1st, we're cutting back again, 20 to 40, gone. So listen to those ones while you can, because once January 1st hits, you're only going to get 41. Hashtag, we we out. We out. We're done. So that's it, 60's in the can. As always, I'm your host with the most, George McKay. Thank you so much for listening. Steve the Animal Mitchell, have an awesome night, everybody. Don't forget, 61 dropped next week. Wrestling with Mental Health, that one's going to be great. Peace. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Catch us every Wednesday at 7.30 on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and Google Play Music. 
Also, be sure to follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling and Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. medieval times a world of excitement adventure and wonder feast upon a delectable four course meal and behold authentic jousting and swordsmanship it's the perfect place for celebration and revelry new power new show kids and students just 34.95 visit medievaltimes.com